Welcome to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast, a podcast all about leadership, change, and personal growth. The goal? To help you lead like never before in your church or in your business. And now, your host, Carrie Newhoff. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 63 of the podcast. My name is Kerry Newhoff. I hope our time together today helps you lead like never before. And today you're going to meet a guy, a friend I've had for a couple of years in my life. His name is Tim Guptill, and he's a fellow Canadian. But I think the situation he's facing is really interesting and kind of universal. I know there's a lot of leaders who listen to this podcast, and some of you are not in the senior leaders chair, but you would like to be one day. Now... How do you do that? And what do you do when you step into the senior leader's chair for the very first time? Well, that was Tim's situation. But to make it even more interesting, he stepped into the senior leader's chair where the previous senior leader had been there for 44 years. Yeah, that's almost like a, hey, nobody comes out of there alive scenario. And yet Tim has. He's several years into his leadership. The church is strong. We have an honest conversation about what that was like. And so if you're ever wondered, what's it like to be the senior leader and what's it like to succeed someone and particularly to succeed someone who maybe has been there a long, 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 long time. Uh, man, Tim is is just going to be able to share some gold with us. And this actually makes a really nice companion piece to episode 54 when I had Judd Wilhite on. And if you're in that situation where you're taking over from someone, and maybe it's not even like as the senior leader, you're just following, you know, a student ministry director who's legendary or a kids ministry director or an executive pastor or somebody like that who's legendary, or even in the corporate world, somebody who was awesome at their job. There are dynamics at play, and uh, I think this uh, one-two punch of Tim today and Judd Wilhite back in episode 54 can, can help you an awful lot. And of course, you can find all of this in the show notes. You can just go to kerryneuhoff.com and my blog. If you go to kerryneuhoff.com slash episode 63, you'll find today's podcast, and surprise, surprise, you'll see a pattern here, kerryneuhoff.com slash episode 54, you'll find Judd's notes and all the information on his podcast, as well as the interview itself. And of course, you can get it uh, on iTunes or whatever your favorite podcast app is. And uh, sometimes if you use uh, Overcast app or even I think iTunes in its latest update, will give you the show notes if you scroll down a little bit right on your phone. And so I just uh, love being able to provide some backlinks and information because, hey, we're all learning together, right? So I just wanted to also say thank you so much to everybody who came out on Orange Tour. I think we saw... 14 or 15,000 leaders this fall on the Orange Tour. I know that's incredible. It's not all at once. There were like over a dozen tour stops, but what an incredible time and uh, got a chance to speak to many, many leaders, uh, obviously. Um, but what was the most fun part for me is I actually met hundreds of you who listened to the podcast. And thank you so much if that was one of uh, you who came up and said, hey, thanks for the podcast or hey, how about that episode when... I love that. And that is tremendous fuel, particularly in a busy season like this one. It's been crazy, uh, not only leading at Conexus and teaching full time, but uh, also uh, making a foray into television for the first time. I dipped my toe into the pool when they invited me to do this TV show this summer. And uh, this week, we'll be hosting 100 Huntley Street. 
And you can get that pretty much anywhere you are in the world. Just go to 100, that's numeral 100huntley.com, 100huntley.com. And uh, it's an hour-long TV show that we uh, do. It's been running daily for years and years and years in Canada. Uh, One of the longest-running TV shows actually in North American broadcast history and has over a million viewers in Canada alone and uh, many in the U.S. as well and, and of course, online. And it's sort of a Christian talk show. Um, So a lot of my guests, actually, like Andy Stanley's been a guest, John Acuff, Pete Wilson's been on there, and so on. And we sit down and just have great conversations. So uh, it's kind of a whole new thing for me. So they said, hey, why don't you come back? And uh, it's part of our strategy at Connexus too, just to reach out to the broader Canadian church and to try to help however we can. So I will be doing that this week. And uh, right after I record this, we'll be finishing packing up the suitcase and back to Toronto to do some more shooting. So anyway, that's uh, that's happening. And, and I may show up there from time to time. Anyway, so that's what's going on in my life. I hope you are having an incredible fall. And we have uh, lots of fun stuff planned on the podcast. Speaking of John Acuff, he'll be next week's guest. And we have a special project that we have been Uh, concocting for you as well as an interview. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Anyway, hey, without much further ado, here is my conversation with Tim Guptill about stepping into the senior leader's chair in a very unique situation. Tim, so glad to have you on the podcast today. And hey, podcast listeners, by the way, if you hear all this, you know, weeping and gnashing of teeth and banging, it's not Tim. Uh, I record, I record these in my home office and uh, we're getting a new roof on our house today. So <laughs> that's what's happening. They're finishing up the roof. So if you hear all this banging, uh, yeah, 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 that's, uh, that's all my fault. But Tim, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Kerry. Great to be here. Thanks for having me on. And I just want to thank you for all that you're doing to help uh, church leaders uh, everywhere with your blog and your, this podcast and uh, new book out, Lasting Impact, that we're all excited about. And uh, man, it's just a, a thrill and an honor to uh, to be with you today. We were just joking earlier about the the noise. If we hear any of that, that it could be church members beating on my door demanding my resignation. But uh, oh yeah, we all it. live in that fear, don't we? <laughs> we do. We do. Well, it's <laughs> we it's not that bad yet. But it's great uh, to be here, Kerry. Hey, it's great to have you. We met a couple years ago. We uh, we skyped, right? Was it a mutual fa- friend who introduced us? I'm trying to remember. It was a mutual friend, and uh, and and I was, you know, just pumped to hear about this guy, this Kerry guy, and, and to find your blog, and uh, and I reached out to you, and um, and you know, just asked if you would be open to to a Skype where we could connect and yeah. just um, share ministry and things like that, and you graciously accepted my response and we got to do it a couple of times and uh, thank you again. Oh yeah, well that was a lot of fun. I mean, hey, it's always mutual. And then uh, and then we did a one day with uh, a lot of churches in Eastern Canada, which is where you're from. You're from Moncton, New Brunswick, uh, leads the largest church. Tim leads the largest church in Eastern Canada. And uh, we did a one day with several hundred church leaders partly from your denomination, but really from from the much broader church as well. And that was an incredible uh, time out there uh, earlier this year. So that was fun just to talk leadership for a full day with a crew of people who really wanted to make a difference in the church in a place like Canada. But of course, as you know, Tim, all the, the, the principles are transferable, right? They are. Often, you know, Canadians and, and people around the world, we have a few global listeners to this podcast, we'll try to take principles from the U.S. and apply them. But I think what we realize, and, and we've had guests from all over, but 
we're all struggling with the same stuff and we're just trying to figure it out, right? We are. And every, you know, every area and region has a, a unique culture and it's a challenge to, uh, to you know, figure out how to best reach that culture. And Atlantic Canada has been known over the years as uh, some pretty, pretty rough soil, some yeah. pretty difficult soil uh, for church growth and reaching people. And, um, but uh, hey, we're all leaders and learners. Tim, tell us a little bit about your story. Like, how did you get into ministry? And obviously, we're talking about becoming the senior leader, which is a live issue for some listeners, uh, a past mm-hmm. issue for others. And then there's a lot of listeners who are like, yeah, one day, one day, one day. So, <laughs> so tell us a little bit about your story, how you got into ministry and, and, and the thumbnail version of your church and, and position. Yeah, you know, my story, Carrie, I think is a, a little different. I think um, maybe a bit of a bit of a freak that way, because I've heard you talk about other leaders who um, didn't really have a, a clear crisis moment of, of calling, and they just they just wanted to serve, and uh, they got serving, and God used them, and God blessed them, did great things. I'm a little different where I always knew I was called, and uh, never had to struggle with my calling. I didn't have to uh, wrestle with it. I didn't need, you know, a, a real crisis moment when, when God... You know, when the, you know, something, uh, the heavens opened or Mm -hmm. an angel dropped on me or, you know, (laughs) I just always knew that I was called. That's great. Yeah. So that was a little different for me. So I always, you know, looked forward to ministry and prepared for ministry. And I was born in a small island, Carrie, out in the Atlantic called Grand Manan. And my Mm -hmm. wife grew up on a dairy farm in Ontario. And so together we're surf and turf. And (laughs) we're great Great combo, and we've served in a variety of, of roles, as uh, a lot of pastors do. And initially started off, you know, wanting to work under some good leaders and gain experience and then to get out and serve ourselves in, in the leadership role. So that's, that's basically our story. Hmm. And then how did you get into ministry at Moncton Wesleyan? Tell, tell us about that, which is where you're at. Yeah, I was pastoring a small church in Digby, Nova Scotia. I was a lead pastor there when I went there. Uh, it was running around 60 people or so. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and, you know, just a typical, traditional white church, rural white church in Atlanta, Canada. So we served there for, for three years. But, Carrie, the first year there was just, was just building and getting to know people and building relationships. And then in the next two years, the church really started to grow. And that's when Moncton Wesleyan reached out to us and said, hey, would you be interested in, in coming here and doing some outreach with us? And I really wanted the, the leadership environment of, of a larger church. I really right. felt like I, I got to surround myself with, with people who are smarter than me, with people who will challenge me. Uh, I want to be thrust into those environments where I've, I've really got to a uh, steep learning curve and, uh, and I admired the lead pastor who was here, um, mm-hmm. Laurel Buckingham, and he was a, a great mentor in my life. And I thought, wow, if I, could, if I could work alongside him and under him and learn all that I can learn from him, I really wanted to be in, in that environment. And so it was in 2000 when we came to Moncton Wesleyan and uh, served on staff here for five years at that time. So that's how we landed here. Right. And then uh, and then you got the call to transition to become the senior pastor. So set that up for us, because it's not just, you know, one of many 
senior pastors over a decade or so. This was this was quite a unique situation that I'm sure some of our, you know, there may be some senior leaders listening who are like, oh man, this is what I'm going to have to do. I've been in this for decades and I've got to pass this off to somebody. And then others who are like going to be tapped on the shoulder or maybe think one day they will be called into the kind of setting you were. So fascinating story. Tell us about that. Yeah, I think it's a great conversation and I'm glad that we're having it. And I've heard you say that, you know, Every pastor is going to be a transition pastor, you know, unless yeah. you unless you plant the church, you're going to have to transition it. Well, and even then you're probably going to die at some point. That would be my <laughs> guess. So even if you plant a church, I'm not sure that's a recipe yet for immortality. So I think it's a universal issue. <laughs> I agree. So here here in Atlanta, Canada, uh, Dr. Buckingham literally uh, is a living legend. He's still living. Mm. Uh, was just in my office a few minutes ago, and he came to this church in the summer of 69. Wow. Hey, there, was, there'd be a song about that, I think. And Brian Adams wrote a song about it. All about and, him uh, coming to Moncton, New Brunswick. Wow. And uh, yeah, and I was born in the summer of 69. <laughs> so and, think about that. Okay, he started yeah. ministry the summer you were born. Exactly. In this yep. church that you now took over for right. him. Right. Okay, yeah. that's fascinating. So the man is a legend in the area. Uh, he, he, you know, worked at this church for 40 plus years and uh, really grew it into a strong, um, prevailing church in the area, real flagship church in, mm-hmm. in this part of the world. And um, so we served with him, alongside him from 2000 to 2005. Okay. In 2005, uh, we went off for a stint at our head office of the Wesleyan Church in Indianapolis. Really wanted to get back into local church ministry, so we ended up in Fredericton, pastoring mm-hmm. back in Atlanta, Canada for, for five years. And then the church um, yeah, reached out to us about doing this imminent transition um, that, you know, of course, everyone knows uh, it's coming. Eventually, it has mm-hmm. to come. And Carrie, I remember, you know, years ago, my peers and I, uh, you know, we, we used to joke about who would ever be crazy enough to try to follow, you know, Dr. Laurel Buckingham at that church. And <laughs> right. where, who, where would, who they, would be dumb enough to take up that <laughs> challenge? Apparently you know, it's you, right? Where would they find someone who will do that? Because we all know that, you know, the, a lot of these transitions don't go well. Yep. Uh, the first person in is often the the sacrificial pastor who pays the ultimate price, and um, and because Dr. Buckingham was so beloved in his church and in this area, and uh, he wasn't the founding pastor, but but because he had served so well for so long, he was like a founding pastor, and um, and we just thought, you know, pity the fool. You know, <laughs> pity the fool, Carrie, who, whoever uh, tries to come in there and, uh, and replace him. And so the conversation really started just between the two of us, uh, mm. where he approached me one day and said, what do you think? And that, that planted the seed. So he saw you as the guy. He thought of all the people, I think Tim could do it. Yeah, he tapped me, which, which is unique and mm. uh, doesn't, doesn't always happen. But even in tapping me, there's no guarantee, you know, that, yeah, that, yeah. 
that I would be that person, right? There still was a, a lengthy process. There was a search committee. There was the board. There was the church process. So there was all these different layers of process that still had to unfold. But, sure. but you know, he, he tapped me initially. So that's, that's part of how we landed here. Wow. And how long ago did that happen? That was three years ago you did the transition? Yeah, so let's uh, let's back up. We did. We started the transition in. I, I mean, I landed here in July of 2012. Right. And I would say that the the actual tapping me would have been almost two years before that. Okay. So in terms of transition, and we've had William Vanderblumen on before to talk about that, and uh, we'll link to that in the show notes. But mm-hmm. um, in terms of transition, how did you guys do it? How did Laurel, I mean, after what, 40, what, how many years? That was 44 years. 44 years. <laughs> I mean, yeah. in, 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 he is the only leader most people ever knew at that church. I mean, all right. the people who would have remembered a predecessor would probably be gone or, or you know, quite elderly by this point. So... Like how did just just give us a thumbnail version of how you actually planned that transfer of leadership, or how he did, I guess. Yeah, I'd say there was there was his process and how he saw things unfolding, and then he was doing his research and homework. He was talking to everybody that he could talk to. We were all reading, you know, Bob Russell's book and yeah. just just you know just everything that you can get a hold of on transitions. And then the board was doing the same, and the search committee was doing the same, and then I was doing my own process and, and, and through that as well. And we landed at, uh, like, Carrie, I don't know that any of these are, are perfect, but you know, mm. I can just share my story and, and what, what we landed at. And so after, the, after I made it through the, I think it was the final board meeting where they prayed over me, and said, you are, you are the person. A couple of days after that, they gathered all the staff together. And I was off in an office here in the church. Nobody knew I was here. And so they brought all the staff together and unpacked. For about an hour and a half, they unpacked with these people uh, the entire process that had been going on. Everyone knew there was a process, but, but the staff were not included in it. Right. And then they... Uh, said, and we we have our candidate. We're at we're we're at the end of the process. Uh, he's sitting over in such and such an office. We're going to bring him here in just a minute. And then that's when the staff found out uh, who it was that that it was me, someone that most of them used to work with, bringing back wow. a form a former peer. Which one of the things, um, Carrie, that that Dr. Buckingham and the board kind of heard from several sources early on in the process was if you can find an outside insider, hmm. that that seems to work really well, that that, that you know, really raises the percentage of uh, success, of success. for this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So someone who has been to the church before, knows the culture, knows the city, and, and, and has gone on to do other things and has done, you know, reasonably well at those other things, if you can find an outside insider and bring them back, that seems to be, you know, a situation that that tends to work well. That's good. So they brought me in, and yeah, and, and introduced me again to the team, who right. most of them were were former peers. And then from that point on, they took they put me up in front of virtually every group 
in the in the congregation. We spent days at this, hmm. and I would just they would introduce me, and I would sit on a stool in front of this group, and people could ask me anything that they wanted to ask, and I would just sit there for an hour, an hour and a half, two hours, wow. and uh, yeah, and just people trying to get to know me, and and uh, you know asking questions about my my you know, philosophy of ministry, my vision for this church and things like that. So, yeah, that's some of the process that, uh, how it unfolded. Man, okay. Oh, and by the way, you can probably hear the roofers back at work now. They're beating on my door. They're beating on your door, asking for your (laughs) resignation. No, we got a new roof going on in the the studio slash office, really my house. Uh, So that's the banging here in the background. But so let me ask you, were you and maybe you can't say, but were you the only candidate? Like, were there two or three, or they had sort of narrowed it before you went through this process down to one? Who was who was you? Yeah. So this would be a good time to mention this, Carrie. If anyone hasn't already listened to your podcast with with Judd Wilhite, they they've mm. got to go. And I'm wearing that one out. They've got to go <laughs> listen to it. It is solid gold, and you're bang on when you said, Judd, brother, you gotta you gotta write the book on this. Uh huh. I did. In his situ- yeah, in his situation, he I think he said he was like the 43rd person on their list. Oh, <laughs> you know, I just oh. so inspiring, eh? So inspiring. What a way to start. I'm number 43. Um, yeah, and with me, it was a little different where I was tapped. Um, the lead pastor had all the credibility in the world. And so his, mm. his, you know, his, the person that he chose, I mean, that carried some weight. It didn't carry all the weight because there still mm. had to be a process. I think, you know, I've heard that there were two or three other people that they, you know, just reached out to and contacted and, you know, from the board's perspective and the search committee, uh, they want to be responsible back to the congregation and be able to say, in the end, we feel like we have found the best possible, yeah, gotcha. you know, the best possible right. candidate. So they want it to be a thorough process. And, um, but, but there weren't several people, um, you know, going through the process at the same time, gotcha. kind of jostling. No, or, that's you know, fair. There was no winner in the process. If that and makes sense. Just so listeners know, Judd's episode is episode 54, if you want to look that up. And William Vanderblumen's is episode 19. So that's a little bit about succession. And uh, this is just a fascinating story. Now, I want to focus not just on succession, but I want to talk about what it was like for you to all of a sudden become the senior leader in this context. Because you kind of led as a senior leader before, but this is entirely different. So what were some of the biggest challenges in your first year as you took over, Tim? Yeah, so many. Um, <laughs> it's not the biggest church, you know, in the world. It's really, it's only the, it's the largest evangelical church in Atlantic Canada. But even sure. so, it, you don't have a, an opportunity to really grow into the size of the church. It's three times as big as any church that I've ever yeah, worked so in. Yeah, so how big was the church in Fredericton that you came from? Yeah, the church in Fredericton would have been bumping up around 450, between 450 and 500. Yeah. In Moncton Wesleyan now, like we run, we run about 1,400 all in pregnant mothers, innocent bystanders, soaking, wringing wet, you know, everybody we can find, we run about 14. So maybe around three times or a little more yeah. than that. And that's a challenge. And, that's That's yeah. a lot of people. Yeah, and so all the usual things uh, people say, and and I mean, they mean well, you know, and mm-hmm. and and but when you're new, and they say, "Wow, you know, you've got you've got really big shoes to fill," 
And I would just, you know, just kind of have fun with that. Say, look, you know, I've, I've got my own shoes to fill. And, That's uh, good. He, you know, if, if he leaves his shoes behind, you know, we'll, we'll bronze them and put them on a, a podium in the atrium <laughs> or something like that. But I really, you know, I've got my own shoes to fill. And, uh, and I tell people, honestly, that, I, I mean, I came into this with my eyes pretty wide open. And I thought it yeah. would be a near-death experience. And it's been much harder than that. <laughs> Wow. You know, so it, it, you know, the, because the expectations were just, were just so high and, but I think that's normal. I don't know how. So, you, so let's talk about that. What do you mean expectations were so high? You were the how, anointed, the next, the, like, did people think it would get better or that you would just carry on that legacy? Like what, when you say the expectations were so high, help us understand what does that mean? Well, I think if anything makes it unique, it would be this region of the world and, and Dr. Buckingham being larger than life in this part of the world. Right. So it's, it's not like Atlanta where 1400 is a small church. And so I, th- I, think, I think that heightened everything. And people have been watching this for years thinking, wow, what will they ever do? How yeah. will Moncton ever you know, because Moncton, Moncton's not a huge metropolis either, right? No, Moncton's Moncton's probably a hundred, a hundred and twenty thousand people. Yeah, so I mean, it's a good sized city, but it's not like a million people or anything. Yeah, exactly. And I think the expectations were high because he was such a well loved leader. Sure. Now, if I, if you can choose, you know, I would say. Follow somebody well loved if you can if you can choose. Um, <laughs> That's a good I, I plan, really as opposed to someone despised. Why yeah, why do I, you say that? Because you would think if the old guy was so bad, you would become great. I mean, if you were processing that through a selfish filter. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Great question. I think if you're following a train wreck, I think suspicion is heightened. I think people are nervous. Uh, I I think they'll be be quicker to to uh you know if, if something goes wrong they'll be like, here we go again and i think if you follow someone that's beloved and has done a great job all kinds of opportunity there carry to honor that person mm-hmm. to build on what they've done um you know if you're not insecure and if you can if you can you know get up on the other person's shoulders and 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 point out all the great things that they've done. And we're going to build on top of this. And we're going to go forward from here. Um, I just think, you know, you're walking, you don't have to go around with a mop and clean up mess all the time. Like you, you're coming into a, a really healthy church with, uh, you know, a lot of great leaders that have been built. And, you know, there's so many positive things of following a, a great leader. Okay, that's helpful. That's helpful. That's good to know. And and I think you're right. Security is a key to that. Like you just, you have to be good enough inside to be able to say, hey, this guy was awesome and I'm going to do my best. <laughs> right. But let's get back to the, this is good. I took you on a rabbit trail, but they're always interesting <laughs> and fun to, fun to follow. Some of the biggest challenges. And you said the expectations were, were earth shattering. Yeah, they really were. I mean, you're talking about a solid foundation that this this former person had built, but you're taking us you're taking that and, and you're putting it into a fragile environment. Mm. So a transition is fragile, no matter how solid the former pastor and the and, and the work is. So it's just everything is 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 heightened. And so I remember Carrie walking over to the church the very first morning. Actually, yeah. back that up. 
I remember getting up that morning and my shoulders literally felt pinned to the bed. And, and I took a wow. slow walk over to this church. If it, if it hadn't been, you know, knowing clearly that, that God wanted me here. I mean, God literally woke me in the night and I heard an audible voice say, go to Moncton. It's okay. I'll be with you. And, and if I didn't have that, if I wasn't... You did hear that? You had that experience? I, I literally heard that carried. And when, wow. when my wife and I were in the, the you know, the, the deepest point of decision on this, because we were at a great church and we, yeah. we had no desire to, to do this. We yeah, your looking. incentive to, to, to be the sacrificial lamb was low. Yeah, none at all. And so when we, were, when we knew, we, okay, we've got to make a decision on this, I heard my name being called uh, in the night. And so I sat up and made sure that I was clearly, clearly wide awake. And, um, and I, I heard a voice. Uh, the only way I can explain it is I knew it was audible to me, but probably not audible to anyone else. Okay. And, wow. and I simply heard it speak deeply, and it, and it was, go to Moncton. It's okay. I'll be with you. And you needed to hang on to that. In and that I needed year. that. I mean, mm. so many days. You know, if the other church that I left, Carrie, there were days if they had called me and said, would you come be the, the custodian? I mean, I would have been gone. I was like, yes. <laughs> $3,000 a year. I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. And, uh, you know, but I, but I had that clear, clear calling. And uh, so, yeah, walking over to the church that first morning was, um, was, was really, really, it was a long, slow, heavy, heavy walk. So the size, the legacy, and the weight were really yeah. challenging. Keep going. Yeah. This is great. Yeah. Well, initially our plan was that we would work together for two years. That's the transition model mm. that we chose. And I've been sharing that with people lately, and they say, two years? Like, that seems like an eternity. Like, hmm. like three months would be a long time, but, but you guys thought you were going to work together for, for two years. We thought we were going to work tandem um, side by side uh, for two years and uh, it ended up being one year in fact okay. uh, we worked yeah we worked together for six months and then I came in the first Monday morning after Christmas of that first year in January and uh, Dr. Buckingham said I'm done we're going to be done and uh, it's not going to be two years it's going to be one year and we'll work together from now until June and then We'll make the transition, the full cut transition where he's out of the picture and I'm on my own. So two, two questions on that. One, sure. were you both lead pastors for that year? And then secondly, how did that feel to you when he told you? We were co-lead pastors. Okay. Um, and, and yeah, and he did, a, he did an exceptional job. I mean, I, I hope everyone, you know, people listening to this can can fully grasped. I mean, he had led this church for 44 years and then mm. I come in and he instantly, Carrie, uh, deferred to me and he gave me the, the staff meetings and the board meetings and preaching and, and he just got behind me and he did mm. such an exceptional job of releasing and relinquishing and uh, setting me up to, to, to win. And uh, I, just, I just can't say enough about that. But yeah, that first morning in January, we used to meet on 7 a.m. on Monday mornings. Hmm. And uh, when, when I came in that first morning and he said, yeah, I'm done, it's, it's the weight of it. Again, it's not, the, it's not a, you know, it's a big church, but it's not a, you know, mega, mega church. Yeah. But still, the weight of it, 
uh, is hard to explain and, uh, you know, very, very, very heavy. So the, the sheer, the pressure of that, the emotional drain, and what that did, especially in that first year, was I found that I, I had such a lack of emotional margin. And I, mm. you know, that's nothing, I didn't anticipate that. I didn't know that this would be part of the deal. And I think that really created a lot of challenges for our, for our, our congregation and our staff because in the first year, they want to get to know you. Like, who is this guy and what's he all about and what does he care about and what are his dreams and his visions? And I was so um, overwhelmed by the, the weight of this and the pressure of this that I had very little emotional margin. I was, I was hmm. battling anxiety for the first time in my life. Oh, wow. Uh, and, and, and so what people wanted me to do was they, they wanted me to be ultra-relational in that first year. And the reality was I wanted to hide. And, wow. You know, so, you know, people, I would say this, Carrie, that we learned that in a, in a transition, because people want it to be over as soon as possible. Yeah. So people, they want to microwave the transition, but you can't, it has to be crockpot. Mm. And, and I'd say, you know, if we could, if there's, you know, one thing there that we could have done over would have been helping people with their expectations of who this new leader is going to be, because he might not even be himself in the first year because of the, the weight of all this transition. It might take a year or two for, for the real person, for us to really see who this guy is. And I know that that had some, some damage along the way. And, and is, is that, is that how you felt like, okay, this is not me as I was before in Fredericton or with the denomination or my first church. And this is probably not who I am now. Is that how you would describe your first year? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Wow. It would, you wow. know, I, I can give you examples, you know, like before church, not wanting to be out in the atrium, you know, mingling with people and things like that just because I didn't have the the emotional margin I'm just trying to get you know you're just trying to survive and you weren't you weren't somebody who struggled with emotional margin particularly beforehand no not at all so this this just hit you by surprise Tim yeah yeah it really did and in this I remember asking in the process at one of our meetings I asked the vice chairman of our board where would we need to be two years into this transition for all of us to consider this enough of a success that we would, you know, continue and go forward. In other words, how do I keep from being fired two years into this? <laughs> yeah. And his reply, um, Carrie, I think was gold. I think it was brilliant. He said, anything short of complete total disaster. And, and that, hmm. you know, in some ways that hmm. took a lot of pressure off because I thought, you know, we're being realistic about this. This is, this is going to be messy. There will be fallout. Um, there's no way to transition a 44-year, uh, you know, great leader without there being some, some fallout. And so that was another thing that I held on to. I held, held on to my call in the night, and mm. I held on to those words of, of, of the vice chairman saying, look, anything short of total disaster, you're our guy. We'll be with you. We're going to support you. We're going to get through this together. And uh, no matter how bad it gets, we'll, we'll emerge. And, mm. uh, and we have so far. 
Now, let me let me let me just guess. I mean, as much as people knew that it, you know he can't lead forever, you probably had some people who were disappointed with the transition as well. And did you have people who left? Like, did you have people who said, "Yeah, you're not him, and I'm out"? Yeah, we did. And and you know what? As leaders, even when you expect that to happen, but when it happens. When you see the the people who are leaving, you know, some of them I've known for many, many years, and this mm. church has been a huge part of their lives, and it hurts. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's not easy to see, uh, you know, people just say, oh, you know, I'm, I'm leaving, I'm going to another church. So that, that takes its toll as well. You know, I remember Judd saying in his podcast about, you know, the first year it felt like I was, you know, carrying a bucket with a giant hole in it. Yeah. And you you do you you leak you know you see the 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 people who are leaving and it and it hurts one of the um, you know carry all every denomination has you know we're all quirky but one of the Wesleyan quirks is that uh, when a when a new lead pastor no back that when a lead pastor resigns staff are supposed to resign along oh, with the pastor yeah did that's not know a, that yep that's a, that's a Wesleyan quirk could have created a big thing at a big church. Yeah, so in the large churches, they 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 try to uh, you know they try to navigate that a little differently. And so when I came in, the board asked me if I would consider keeping all of the staff, and, uh, and you know hopefully we could work through that and and uh, try to have as little followed as possible. Well, in three years, I mean most of the staff have transitioned, oh, and that's wow. that's the reality of it. So. You have staff people, um, you know, and, and often not over bad reasons, just simply because things are different. Things have changed, and the former leader's gone, and the new leader's um, just just a little different uh, or a lot different, and uh, they get opportunities and, and move on. But, you know, when staff leave, uh, there's always, you know, some folks that were connected to that person that leave as well. And so, yeah, we, we stepped back quite a bit. Uh, we lost and did you see an, an, a net attendance decreased him? We did. Yeah. It yeah. dropped, it dropped significantly. Uh, we had one key staff person, uh, go to another church just five minutes, uh, away from here, which is wow. never, that's never ideal. And, uh, that took its toll on us for sure. And, um, you know, interestingly enough, the, the giving stayed, you know, quite well. And, hmm. uh, you know, I think people stepped up and I think people saw, okay, we've, we've got to support this. We've got to get behind this. And, uh, so numerically we, we, we took our hits for sure. And, uh, financially we were able to, to do okay, all things considered. Wow. And then, and then there must've been some bright spots as well. So what were, what were some good things? I mean, here you are three and a bit years on the other side, you're still standing. It is far from a complete disaster. And in fact, I mean, when I visited, I, you know, it felt like a real healthy church to me. That's what it felt like. But it is, um, you know, I don't know where I got this, Carrie. I don't remember reading this. Um, you know what? I probably heard this on one of your podcasts. That's probably <laughs> there you go. Podcasts. That's where that's where it happened. <laughs> but uh, somewhere in there, in the first year, I felt like you know this church, even though it's in a, a a fragile transition, I think we need to take some really bold moves. I think wow. we need to take some some great risk. And uh, in the first year that I was there, I felt God uh, really speaking to me about Easter that year that we needed to. 
share the message of Easter with 4,000 people. Wow. Which would be, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a huge number for our congregation, especially for Easter. We've done some big things around Christmas before, but we weren't really, we never really got a huge surge on Easter. Yeah, it's so funny. In Canada, Christmas is much bigger culturally than Easter is. It's just yeah, true. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and yeah. you see that in American churches. It's like, you know, Christmas is small, Easter is huge. Not always, but in some cultures, and with us, it's the opposite. Easter, for a lot of churches in Canada, I mean, hardly get a, a, get a bump. A bump. A little blip, yeah. 5%, 10%. We see a little more than that. Well, a lot more than that. But like, yeah. Easter's off the cultural radar screen here in a post-Christian culture. Yeah. Well, it was one of those times where I felt like I need to, I need to speak this almost prophetically, and I don't, I don't do a lot of that. That's not my deal. Uh, it's not normal, uh, you know, for me. And um, I said, you know, I really feel like God is calling us to this. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I wouldn't do that lightly ever. No, and no. That, no, and that first Easter, uh, it was just over 5,000 people that we had out that, that Easter weekend. Wow. We followed that up the same year. Uh, this church, um, Moncton Wesleyan, had always tried or set as a goal to, they always wanted to baptize 100 people in a year, hmm. and, they, and they, they never hit it. They were always, they, you know, hit the 90-some years, but, but never broke 100. And I felt God saying, you need to baptize 100 people in one day. <laughs> wow. And I, I tell you, I had to be sure, <laughs> that, you know, I had to be sure about that one. I thought, oh, we're going to look like fools. Um, like, God, are you sure? And I, so I did the same thing, and uh, I shared it with our staff, and I said, I really believe God's calling us to this. And it was Father's Day after the, in that first year of transition, so almost a year into the, hmm. the first year, and we baptized 101 people. In and, one day. Uh, yeah, in That's one day. Amazing. It was really cool. We had, uh, we, 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 we had three swimming pools out in our parking lot. We had a tractor trailer with the band up there and all the lights. We had, you know, hundreds of seats out in the parking lot and stadium seating and all of that. And it was just a, just a, a phenomenal, phenomenal God awesome day. And we baptized 101 people. So I think, I think those things were, were helpful uh, in a lot of ways and gave people, you know, faith to believe that our greatest days were not behind us. That we could uh, we could trust God for for great things in the future, even though our our leader is is retiring and transitioning. That God's not done with this church, yeah. And uh, it gave us some some really great rallying points uh, that were that were helpful. How long did it take, or or to phrase it another way, was it difficult for the team? And I'm sure for the whole church, but for the team to start seeing you as the senior leader, because you had been a peer beforehand. You know, Dr. Buckingham had been there for 44 years. Mm. That wasn't immediate. I would assume it wasn't day one, particularly when you're co-leading for a year. Mm -hmm. How long did it take and why or why not was it difficult? Well, you know, looking back, we we had everything. We had some turnover within a couple of weeks. So it was immediate where Mm. some people just uh, went looking for other options. And uh, I think... Again, you know, not that there's, I don't know what the perfect process is, but our, this team was left out of the process. And I wonder now, you know, would it have been different if they oh, were... Oh, you mean the staff, right? The staff, yeah. yeah. Would it have been different if, if they were included? So I was just kind of sprung on them. And they didn't really have time to react to that. And then once I got started, 
again, you know, in that in the first few months, uh, where they needed me the most to help them decide. Look, am I? Can I support this guy? Do I like this guy? Uh, can I be loyal to this person? In the first few months, when they needed, when they needed to hear all the right things and see all the right things, I was probably in my darkest darkest moment of the transition. Mm. So. You know, I, I think a learning point for all of us would be give it more time. Give, just ask people, look, can you, can you hang in there for a year? Can you, can you give us 16 months or 18 months until, until the weight of this, until, you know, Tim gets used to the weight of this and he can start to, it's a good word. you know, really start to invest back into others. And, you know, everybody's different. But for me, that, that was my experience. And I think it's, I think there is a, you know, an extra challenge. We're all human, right, Kerry? And yeah. for a former peer to come back as your boss, that's, that's, that's challenging. Yeah. Cause I mean, without, without pointing fingers and I mean, I don't know the whole old team or even your whole new team, but I'm sure some hmm. people were asking, well, why didn't they pick me? Right. Yeah. People would ask that. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. And there were, there were capable people on the team. Yeah. And, uh, so, how did you do that? Like, how did you establish your leadership? Cause you're not, I mean, I think I know you well enough to know you're not a super authoritarian guy, like my way or the highway. <laughs> right. And you're certainly not Dr. Buckingham in his style. You know, you're very different. You're an alternative. So how did you establish, you know, your leadership with, with humility, but also with, uh, you know, some firmness, how has that happened? Cause I would say at this point in three years, most people would say, yeah, Tim's definitely the leader and he's here indefinitely. Mm, yeah, I think I think one of the key things that was helpful there was uh, we, I have an amazing uh, executive pastor who really forced me into a process uh, of clarifying the the vision, clarifying mm. the core values, and really uh, finding the key words and the key phrases that we could hang everything on and just clear everything up for people. And I think that was that was huge. And he, I mean, he really really uh, wouldn't almost wouldn't let me you know lift my head out of that process and it just kept me on that like we have to get we have to have clarity and uh and I think that was really helpful and I think you know we did uh you know some offsite staff retreats and uh you know just just hearing people out and having the having the time carried to just um you know be real with about who we are and where this church has been sure. and where we all want to see it go and I and I think people, it gives people an opportunity to say, yeah, you know what, I can get on that bus or uh, I better get off that bus. And uh, I'm not an authoritarian, but I think I can, I can still lead, I can be a strong leader. And I think clarity early on was, was critical for all of us. Well, that's a really good point. And I think the key to having like a really clear mission, vision, strategy, and even culture is all of a sudden, then it's no longer about you or Dr. Buckingham, your predecessor. It's about something outside of you. And it's not about personal loyalty. It's about organizational mission. And I think that's really smart. Yeah. And he, they were very, very loyal to him. I mean, we're talking, we're talking about good people and many mm. of them had served at this church for a long time. And so it's understandable when someone new comes in that it's going to take time for them to, you know, detach from the former leader and, and, you know, get behind uh, the new, even though there wasn't a, it wasn't a huge shift in direction for us. You know, a lot of the, the messages and the, 
the vision was was very similar. It just had new language, and uh, we just were finding new ways of expressing a very similar vision. But uh, yeah, understandably so. And I think in any transition succession um, like this, Carrie, I think I think it's understandable that people, some people, are just not going to make it through that transition. Yeah. Well, and 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 some really helpful principles for us there, Tim. That's uh, that's great. You know to focus on the vision and uh, to ask people to hang in there for 18 months to two years. I think that that is brilliant. That's a really good idea. Hey, nobody just go anywhere for a while. Okay. Let's just hang in, give this a chance. Yeah. I mean, if they're, if they're, if they're not being disloyal and if they're not sabotaging where you're trying to go and they're good people and you'd like to keep them ultimately, I think, uh, you've got to give it time. And, uh, some didn't, some didn't. Sure. Uh, how, how, and you mentioned vision already. So how did you continue the original vision of the church and yet change it at the same time, which I'm pretty sure you would have had to do, right? Yeah. Well, I think one of the reasons why the, the, we all felt confident that this, this transition, you know, has a good shot at succeeding was because uh, myself and the former pastor, we already had alignment in ministry, ministry philosophy, Sure. So we knew that going in, and I think that's one of the reasons why he tapped me was we're 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 very similar. Not we're not similar in our style and our approach, but we're we're similar in our in our vision. We're both outreach driven, and so it wasn't a major shift for the church. And so I think all we had to do was really find new language that would, would capture this new season, this next season of ministry, you know. And so we were able to do that. And uh, we wrote it literally on the wall and we put it in, you know, weekly uh, video announcements. Mm. And we just, we just, we stayed on that vision uh, hard and we've been on it hard. And I think that was really, really key to this. And if the vision doesn't cause people to want to drop everything and pursue it with you with all they have, then it's, it's, it's a boring vision. Mm. And, and we, you know, and we had uh, people who loved uh, what this church had been doing for so many years. And uh, so we just needed to find new terms around that. And uh, so that's, you know, we're, we've been going hard on the, on the invite. Uh, it's leveraging our relationships. Uh, we ripped a phrase from New Spring, uh, the, one of uh, Perry Noble's phrases, mm-hmm. found people, find people. Yep. And, that, and that just got instant traction with our, with our congregation. They're just like, Ooh, that's good. You know, found people, find people. Just resonated with them. And, uh, you know, we just kept sharing things like we've got to put seats on seats because we want more souls in heaven. And an empty seat is a serious matter. And that, that all emerged into the vision statement of people inviting people to experience and follow Jesus. That's good. Yeah. So yeah. it was really a similar direction, but a fresh language and a fresh expression, and obviously some changes as well. And then, and then, uh, let me ask you this, because uh, man, time's flying on this, but it's so good and it's so rich for for leaders who are facing this or in the middle of it. Whether you're the senior leader, the next leader, or whether you're the guy going, you know, you're in student ministry or next gen right now, or worship pastor going, one day I'm going to be that guy, you know, <laughs> or girl. So how did you relate? to your predecessor, both publicly and privately. Walk us through that. Well, he and I already had a pre-existing relationship, which yeah. I think is, you know, that if not everyone is going to have that, but like Judd, when he went to Central, yeah, I'm not sure that he had that, but anyhow, 
Well, and, and the thing that was different for Judd Wilhite, again, episode 54, is, yeah. you know, Gene Apple moved to Chicago. And so when he took over for Gene, he left. Right. Uh, yeah. Dr. Buckingham did not. No, he was here. And so I think our pre-existing relationship, and people see that. People can pick up on whether or not you like each other. And, yeah. uh, right, so it is, it is so key. And we didn't have to manufacture that. We already had a great relationship. We had 100% trust. If I saw him off in a corner with a board member, I would only think he's, he's telling them how great I am. He's, he's encouraging them. Or like I would never, ever think that he was doing something to uh, sabotage. Uh, and, and why would he? He's worked so hard to build this church. Why would he do anything to, to, uh, to harm it? So we have 100% trust, uh, no insecurity or very, very little. Uh, we're different. He's a, a high-energy type A cleric. And, uh, and I'm not. Mm. So, I, so I would help people and say, look, you have to learn how to read me because my passion is just the same as his. It just looks different. And, and it's going to sound a little different. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not him, but, uh, but, you know, but we're still we're very passionate about the same things. And so we, he and I decided early on uh, in the process that we would, we would have a very open door uh, we didn't we didn't share the same office, but right. we 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 you know just many times a day, Carrie, we would share everything that we possibly could, just openly, uh, lots of communication, and uh, and I would say that the language that you choose, especially in that first year, is critical, and you have you can choose your words, you can craft it, you can be prepared when you get out in front of people what you're going to say, and it doesn't have to be nauseating it doesn't have to be you know so over the top that nobody believes it but you can you can honor that former person in in uh in just a you know very real honest ways and then build off of build off of what that person has done if you're not insecure about it hmm. that's good that's helpful and so it was a sort of a private alignment and a public alignment that really helped you get through things and i think i think that's good that's really good yeah i think the the open committing both people committing to brutal 100% honest communication i think i think that's key and then there's just no room for you know any negativity to to enter to into leak the relationship out. if you've got that yeah. privately that's true yeah, that's true yep. so tim here's a question for you how long did it take uh for you to feel like this was kind of your church. And that's a bad phrase because it's Jesus church. I know that. I understand that. But like, you know, until you really felt like, okay, now I'm the senior leader entrusted with this. Yeah. Well, we worked together for one solid year and then he took six months when he did not show his face at all. And that was part of the, the transition plan. So he was just gone completely, totally out of the picture. Uh, we hope you go to church somewhere, but it's not going to be this one. For, for six months hmm. and, uh, you know, giving me an opportunity to just clearly uh, try to establish my direction and, and, and to help people uh, see me as a leader. And I, th I think the you know, I think that's important, but really it wasn't until after the two year mark and the two and a half year mark. And now we're just, we're just into, we just finished up the three year mark. And I think that, you know, now we can start to see a real, real change in 
in, in, in people, um, you know, they're calling me their pastor and I, you know, I hear more of that, you know, and people saying, look, we're praying for you and we love you and we support you. And you just start to, you just start to hear mm-hmm. more and more of that stuff. And so what that tells you is that, you know what, the culture is changing and the tension is leaving the, the room, it's leaving the atrium, it's leaving the auditorium, the tension, people aren't coming in uh, a little apprehensive, they're coming in uh, expectant and uh, they're, they're really excited about where we're going and things like that. So it's, it's taken at least three years and I think it'll take more. I don't, I don't think we're through it all yet. I think uh, when, you know, when we're able to look back at four and five years, we'll, we'll be able to see when it really, really happened. But I think some of the, you know, getting your own team, some of these staff changes have been, have been huge for us. We've got some great people that have come in and, uh, you know, building your own team has, has been help, been a, a huge help as well. That's great. Tim, what are some things, if any, you wish you could have back from that first year or two where you're like, uh, love a do over on that? <laughs> well, uh, you know, we already mentioned it, but the, I, I really do feel bad about some of the relationships. And I, I wish that I'd had more relational margin in, in the first year. Mm-hmm. You know, when, you, when you're the new guy and people, hey, let's do coffee, let's do lunch, we want to have you over to our house. And I just didn't have that in me at all. In the, I was just trying to survive. I'm just trying to get through the day. And um, you know, I'd like to. I'd like to do that over again. I'd like to, uh, you know, be more proactive in in getting to know people and helping people yeah. to know, you know, us. Um, you know, another thing, I wouldn't have taken everything so personally. Mm. And. Um, you know, you, you did a recent post on this that was super. I did, super yeah. Helpful. We'll link to yeah. that in the show notes. Uh, oh, stop neat. taking ministry so personally, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I'm reading your post, and I'm like, oh, it sounded like you and I had had that conversation. I don't, <laughs> I don't know if we did or not, but I was internalizing everything. I was wearing it. That was uh, about it me. Was, it was, yeah, it was <laughs> eating me, and and so all the time when I should be emerging as a better leader because this church and this transition required a better leader. It was actually doing the opposite. It was making me a worse leader. Hmm. And so, you know, I think, um, you know, that's something that I learned and would like to do over again. So, yeah, I mean, those are, those are the two that, yeah, come to mind. Right yeah, that's top. fair. And, and yeah, I think, I think so many of us take leadership personally when really we should just take it seriously. And there's a difference between the two. So what advice would you have for anyone, you know, who's listening, who's just stepping into the senior leader's chair, or maybe is hoping they will be at some time soon? Yeah. Well, I'd say what I've learned is if you're, if you're stepping up to, you know, it's, it's a, a higher role than you've ever been in, or it's a larger church or a larger position of leadership that you've ever been in, whatever height of leadership you hope to achieve, make an equal dive spiritually. Your, your leadership height won't exceed your spiritual depth. And Ooh, when, I, that's good. When, I, when I came to this church, God pushed me, pressed me, invited me uh, into a deep dive spiritually. And I realized that, that you know, I, it's as as great of a leader as I wanted to be, or as high as a level I wanted to lead this church, I had to go that at least that far deep, deep in my with my spiritual roots, and um, so that was that was key for us. 
Um, I would say be a learner. Uh, mm. Read everything you can read. Talk to everybody you can talk to. Uh, get some great people around, like me a few years ago, reaching out to you and saying, you know, would you be open to, uh, to uh, you know, to a Skype or can we do a coffee, you know, those types of things. Um, but, but, but be a learner. Um, you know, when I get in the car, I'm, I'm taking podcasts with me and, and yeah. I'm reading all the time and just, I, th- I think leaders have to be learners. You know, it's the old Maxwell axiom, everything rises and falls on leadership. Yeah. But uh, you have to be a great leader and you have to be responsible, but, but you can't take everything personal either, and, uh, or you'll be no good to anyone. And uh, you just got to realize, hey, some things are out of my control. Some things are spiritual matters that only God can control. And um, everything rises and falls on leadership. Sure, that's true, but there's still a lot of leadership uncertainty and things that only God can control. Tim, I know people are going to want to connect with you. So what's an easy way to get in touch with you uh, online? Yeah, the best way is uh, probably timguptill.com. That's uh, Tim, G-U-P-T-I-L-L.com. Or to uh, find me on Twitter at Tim Guptill. And I'd love to chat with anyone who's... uh, going through a transition or maybe going into one or any churches that are dealing with that, I'd love to connect with people. We'll link to all of that in the show notes, including um, your church website as well at Moncton Wesleyan. So Tim, this has been so helpful to a lot of us, including me. And uh, I just want to say thank you so much, man. Really appreciate your leadership and your friendship. Hey, thanks again, Kerry. And uh, keep on doing what you're doing because uh, a lot of leaders around the world are getting better because of what you're doing. And so we we appreciate you. Thanks, Kerry, so much. Thank you, Tim. Well, I think you can probably see why Tim and I have become friends. I mean, what a, what a great leader and what a humble heart and what a challenging leadership task that he navigated so, so, so well. And it's just great to see a large, thriving church, another one in Eastern Canada. I mean, that that really, really warms my heart. And, you know, if you're a regular listener to the podcast, you know, one of the truths about Canada is the vast majority of people don't attend church on a Sunday. And that's why I think I have such kindred spirits with people in New England, uh, like Josh Gagnon, last episode's guest, and, and people in the Pacific Northwest. And Even people in the Bible Belt who are realizing, hey, you know what? Like this next generation coming up is not like the last one. And so we're all trying to plow harder ground. And Tim's doing a fantastic job out in Moncton. If you want to see more or learn more about Tim, just go to the show notes. It's just kerryneuhoff.com slash episode 63. Next week, we are back with none other than John Acuff. And John and I sat down backstage at the Orange Orange Tour. We zipped off a quick interview, not as long as most episodes, but man, it was rich. And we talk about how to be more funny as a communicator. And I know I should probably insert a joke here, but uh, I'll try to think of one by next week. Anyway, and John's got something special for you, so it's going to be awesome. And the best way to make sure you don't miss anything is to subscribe. And you can do that by just clicking the big old subscribe button on iTunes, Stitcher, or TuneIn Radio. And of course, if you would be so kind, please leave a rating or review. And similarly, for all of you who have read Lasting Impact, uh, thank you so much for all the positive feedback. That's my new book. It's been out for uh, not quite two months now. And if you've read it and enjoyed it, uh, I would love for you to leave uh, a rating on Amazon as well. So thank you so much. Hey, we're back with a lot of fun stuff in December. And can you believe it's December? We'll be back next week. I really do hope our time together has helped you lead like never before. 
You've been listening to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast. Join us next time for more insights on leadership, change, and personal growth to help you lead like never before.